Hello, and welcome to Training Wheels, the podcast in which I talk to my high school friends about their first year in college and explore life without training wheels. Today is a very special episode. You might notice that I sound a little different, and that is because I am recording in a recording studio. Yay! Yay! You just heard my guest today, which is my very, very good friend, Josh Magpintai. He goes to, well, I'll let you him tell you but um i am visiting him at his university right now and he was able to get us into a recording studio and show me how to actually do the things that i uh need to be knowledgeable about in order to be a good podcaster so we're getting a little practice with all of that uh and anyway josh why don't you introduce yourself in the typical training those fashion is it the training wheels fashion? I thought that it was a typical college fashion. Well, now it's both. Oh. We're five episodes in now, so I think that this can be established as my norm as well. All right. So name, major, college, and fun fact about yourself. Cool. Hi, my name is Josh Magpinsai. Um, I'm a film and television major at New York University's Tisch School of the Arts, Kambar Institute of Film and Television. That's the whole title. And my fun fact is I've gone viral on Twitter like, multiple times the most recent though um is for pretending that my best friend emerson was some random dude that i fell in love with on the train and that we went on a like a very spontaneous like date to the metropolitan museum together before that it was um during the super bowl i posted this picture of my sister's bucket list and it like got me like a feature on buzzfeed which i think was really funny and like like a bunch of reporters like from like today were like messaging me asking me for like like email interviews which is really stupid honestly and I got a call from someone at BuzzFeed directly and there's this photo of me on BuzzFeed and I look fat in it because I was kind of fat in it at the time and I don't know it's like a thing I have like some Twitter notoriety basically um another fun fact about me is I'm a two-time Live Moss scholarship winner probably because of my sister who mentioned Taco Bell in her bucket list enough that it was funny enough to go viral, which is probably why I'm, yeah, like, that's, I think that's part of the reason. Also, she wanted to, like, be a cheetah, right? Or, like, just have a cheetah? Pet a cheetah. Pet a cheetah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. You don't even know my tweets. (laughs) Sorry. I actually have your notifications turned on, so. I wonder. I care about you. (laughs) Thank you for those fun facts. I think that they are very fun. Now, Let's get to talking about college. I guess, yeah. Which you're still sort of at right now. Yeah, I never went home. Why did you decide to not go home this summer? That's most people don't make that decision so soon. Um, so uh my mom actually was part of the reason I didn't want to go home. Like I had the inkling of the idea, but like my parents have like put me in this place where I like don't trust my own decisions and my own choices. Um so I was like, I kind of don't want to go home. And they're like, you're coming home. And then all of a sudden, my parents think it's a good idea. And then now my mom's like, you're not coming home. And it's like, now it's like her idea. And she co-opted it. But it's like my idea. And I chose not to go home. I chose not to go home because I wouldn't be doing anything useful in Allen. So like, at te- like in Texas, I'd be like looking for a new job when I already have a job on campus that pays me like a really good, like it's like, $14 an hour about to go up to 15 by next semester and I mean that's enough for me to pay rent like if my parents were to support me it's like enough for me to find a room here like nearby in the area pay rent for it and then commute in and out of the city you're like 
work. Basically, I had a job here that I didn't have to look for that would give me steady hours and was more lucrative than whatever job I would have gotten at home. I used to work the summer before college at this restaurant called Bonnie Ruth's in Waters Creek in Allen. Uh, shout out to Bonnie Ruth Ianase. Um, God bless her soul. I hope she's still okay. She had a lot of problems running the restaurant, not going to lie. Um, but she only paid me like two twenty five an hour plus tips, and I hardly got any hours. Well, that's and pretty standard for a server. Serving? Well, no, I just hardly got tips, and like serving is not a fun job. So, um, and it, like, didn't pay any bills. And I spent most of my paycheck lifting to work. Right. Because I didn't drive. And so I still would have gone home not driving. At least if I came here and stayed here, I wouldn't drive, but that wouldn't put me at any disadvantage compared to anyone else. So, right. like, yeah, like, it was just, it made more sense for me to stay here. Um, my rent's really cheap. Um, I have money left over to have fun anyway. And, I mean, I'm, like, saving up for, like, a bike so I can, you know, like, ride around next semester on bikes that actually belong to me as opposed to NYU, stuff like that. Like, I, you know, it's just – and I'm looking at my life right now, and it feels more like my life is here. My family – like, I know my immediate family is home in Texas. They call me all the time and remind me of that fact. But I have my grandma and my aunt and an uncle or two. And that's who you're living with? Yes, um, and so, like, I, I have my support system family-wise here. I have my New York friends who, like, gave me, like, a, like one of them, David, the one I'm, like, currently crashing at. He gave me, like, a gig, paying gig. My friend Elisa, like, got me a paying gig, like, this past weekend. Like, I have my friends who are helping me professionally get up in places. And then also, so, like, my parents, okay, not my parents, my family is here. My friends are here. My job and work are here. My school is here. I live here. Like, it's just, I don't have a life to go back to in Dallas anymore. Almost. So New York became home for you really quickly. Very quickly. Which I think I think more quickly than, like, a lot of the other people that I know, like, like I adjusted to here very quickly. Did you expect to have a hard time adjusting? Or were you ready to get right into it and knew that you would be able to handle getting right into it? I knew going in that I'd be able to handle it. I just, I think I'm an, like, just, I think I'm an adaptable person. Mm-hmm. And um, something deep inside me has been prepared for this life for so long. Yeah. You created it into being. Like, you, like, crafted this. Like, nobody wanted it to work I like not like literally nobody but like everybody's like wow I can't believe you're gonna like go that far away and go to like such like frivolous school or whatever and yeah, like that never hit but me. yeah you were just like that doesn't matter because I want it so that's what I'm gonna get I actually did have a lot of like there was this one particular person who was like very naysay to me we'll call him um James yeah so James was a huge dick to me about, like, coming to New York University and, like, telling me, like, I wasn't going to be able to pay. I wasn't going to get enough scholarships. Um, I don't know. He was just saying it was too far and I wouldn't make it kind of thing. Like, that's what it always felt like he was coming from me. And then also to Josh, too, he was actually incredibly, like, what is the word? Incredibly um, discouraging. To? Josh Sturm. Okay. Yes. To be clear... There are two Joshes who went to our high school uh, who go to NYU in the film school. 
and both of which are my friends, one of which is on this podcast. It's at really this moment. neat. It's really neat because if you go to like if you went to Tish like in the building and you were on the eleventh floor and you're like, Hey, does anyone know a Josh in film and television who wears size nine shoes, graduated from Allen High School in twenty seventeen and came in class of twenty twenty one? You get two people. Both I thought very... you were class of twenty twenty. Well, I'm class of twenty twenty, graduating in three years, yeah. It's weird because like some I, someone told me that I wasn't gonna be able to get out of here without a huge amount of debt, or get out of here without like, you know, like being able to handle myself. But literally, I've been living here for like a year now. Like I didn't go home, and I've been managing myself, and I'm not freaking out. Mm-hmm. Like I left, and I made like an adult life for myself. So. So I'm guessing you would say that like. This is, like, home now. Yeah. Was there a really strong home in the first place to break ties from? Or do you think that that came so quickly because you were looking for one? Um, There wasn't really a, a, a strong home to break ties from. In, so, like, back in the seventh grade during the recession, sixth grade during the recession, eighth grade during the recession, somewhere in middle school. Yes. I was really attached to my first family home in a nice, more affluent, new money kind of neighborhood in Allen. And I told myself, man, I'm going to be like the kind of person who has never moved in high school. And it's going to be great. Like, I'm going to have like such strong roots at home. And I think as soon as that hit and as soon as the reality that my parents had to sell our house and move somewhere else, like became true, like, like my attachment to a home as a place was like instantly gone. Mm hmm. So I moved from there to an apartment and then from an apartment to a small home and from that small home to a larger but small home. And it was like November of senior year that I did my final move. And like I was in high school for my first couple of years biking to school because it was so close and it was very convenient. And then my last year I like got completely destabilized and like in a number of ways, like both in like family life and like. I don't know, like, it just, I didn't have a real foundation left. And, like, the whole, like, moving the year, your senior year to somewhere, like, that changes your entire senior year, like, I don't know, like, made me realize, like, situations are temporary. I'm the only concept that I have. So, uh, being able to pick up and just be stable where I, like, land, I think, came from, like, me realizing that stability is overrated and that... As long as I can make the situation work, it's, you know, workable. It's also, I bet, really empowering because you're making it work in a place that you like a lot more than any other place. Oh, yeah, that's Like, true. you get the privilege to, like, actually be somewhere you like. Yeah. I. Oh, my God. I totally should have known I was going to end up here. I, like, back in fourth grade, third grade, second grade, first grade. Elementary school. Yes. I, <laughs> I like, learned to pick out the World Trade Centers on a map from, like, going on Google Earth and then zooming into New York and then zooming into, like, Long Island and then zooming into Manhattan. I don't know. I just, like, I realized, like, I, like, from an early age, like, I probably actually wanted to be here. There was, like, I remember back in junior year, there was, like, this time where I was, like, oh, do I go West Coast or East Coast? West Coast or East Coast? But something in me has always known that I'd end up in New York City. What about it? drew you bright lights big city da 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 so pretty it's i don't know because 
Uh, I remember our friend Kalichi always like. I like told her that I wanted to end up like in LA or New York City, and she always like refuted the idea like, oh, there are too many people, and it smells like shit all the time, and traffic's so bad, and like, yeah. You just well, that can't... just means that it's not for her. It doesn't mean I it's know, not but, for like, you. I she I mean like people like I don't know like she threw all those things in my like face a lot and like it not throw that sounds like that sounds like it was hostile but it wasn't like you know but she always like like said these things to me and I I, like always mulled them over and like I figured no I think I'll still like it Mm -hmm. something about city living I don't like things about city living that I like are like the fact that I can walk anywhere it's such a privilege because I never got my driver's license as a high schooler so I didn't really have the luxury of suburban freedom but I have the luxury of urban freedom right now and it's great and trains and stuff like that are so good um I don't know why did I pick this place it it's just the mythos of it probably the fact that it's New York fucking city and the fact that it's it's that it's it's itself did the reality match the mythology of it or were you like disappointed at all once you finally got here the reality is always it it transcends any like any of the mythologies I'd previously known like the like I'm learning the local mythology and the local mythos of everything and it's so much more interesting than like you know like whatever like Frank Sinatra was here or something but like like I'm discovering little tidbits like what like the fact that you can live out the stories of how many songs up here is like one thing that I I am like learning to appreciate more and more the phrase I um the phrase that McDonald's up in Broadway and that one song that Jay-Z had, I know which McDonald's he's talking about. The fact mm-hmm. that Broadway is a street to me that isn't like a replica of any other street. Like all the other Broadways in the world point to this one kind of thing, you know? Um, there's also like the phrase, I think, uh, thinking my heart belonged at 93rd and Park. Right. 93rd and Park is a place that I can go to literally right now. Like take the six train up. To 96th Street, walk down a little bit, and then over to Park Avenue. That's a song lyric that I can experience for myself. Mm-hmm. Or Lost My Heart off Somewhere Off of Lexington, that's a song lyric I can experience myself. The song, um, the entire musical is about here, but like from Ordinary People, that fine song? Yeah. Walking down Broadway at the liquor, like there's a, like a liquor store uptown somewhere that they were trying to buy wine at, and that they're driving down Broadway from the up, like somewhere on the Upper West Side because they're kind of bougie people. And they're going 12 blocks down. I can experience that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's like the fact that, like, America and pop culture have blown up the mythos of New York City. But it's all very real hype because it's all very here. I don't know. It's just, like, the fact that it's here and present to me is, like, cooler than being far away from it and, like, looking at it through a glass case kind of thing. Yeah. Sorry. I've, like, digressed a lot. Which no, is kind of ugly, but... I mean that was like hyper specific, but I think that that like proves that like you're really experiencing it. Yeah, it's real. Everything is real. What was like your first moment where you came here and you were like, "Holy shit, I'm here and I'm living here." Um, when did I have my first holy shit moment? I had so many of those throughout the semester. Yeah. Like, especially during the first semester, touched down in New York City, moved into my room. Holy fucking shit, I live in New York. Um, I would walk across. This is one of my most defining, like, yeah, I live in New York moments. So I live in Lipton. I lived in Lipton Hall my first semester. 33 mm-hmm. Washington Square West on the southwest corner of 
Washington Square Park. And so you go down out of the elevator and you're in the lobby and then you exit out of the lobby. You turn left to look at incoming traffic to make sure that you don't get hit. You see the Empire State Building in the background of your view. You turn right just to like look right because, you know, that's the way you're headed. And then boom, the World Trade Center is in your view. And just having your entire, my entire experience was bookended by those two buildings. And like, I don't know, as a kid, I was obsessed with skyscrapers and planes and just that combination led to 9-11. And so I was very into 9-11 as like a, like a event in human history. Yeah. And I was very invested in the old Twin Towers and the construction of the new Freedom Tower. And I like, I remember as a kid, for whatever reason, back in 2011, I would always watch the live stream of them building One World Trade Center. That building, that shiny building has been dumped, like it's been topped ever since. And like, I can see it. I can like, this is something I've been waiting for for like a decade Mm -hmm. of my life. And it's right there. Like, just a couple blocks down. Like, I can walk there if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. The Empire State Building was, like, this pin, like, magnet, this magnet on my, like, kitchen for the longest time. And I, like, remember always playing with it. And the Chrysler Building also. Like, I used to play with those magnets all the time. Those buildings are, like... Part of your daily routine now. That was, like, a big holy shit moment. Like, seeing all these weird childhood things, like, become reality for me. Yeah. I don't have any reason or business to go to those buildings ever, but, like, right. I don't know. Just, like, riding the subway is always a holy shit, you're a New York thing. And it was, like, my catchphrase for, like, the first semester is, holy shit, I live in New York. Or, oh, my God, we live in New York City. Mm-hmm. Just, like, walking across campus or, like, going to the post office or something. Like, the novelty hasn't worn off yet. And Do I you don't think, think it, it will? will. Mm. I hope it won't. <laughs> I mean, the other day I was like picking you up at the airport in Queens and I was like really mad at the MTA. And then something in the back of my head was like, oh my God, I'm mad at the fucking MTA. How great. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's going to go away. Do you want to stay here after college? I definitely want to. I just don't know how feasible it is. I'm thinking of a life up in Harlem somewhere above 125th Street, maybe even Morningside Heights. I want to live uptown. Downtown Manhattan is where all the fun happens, but uptown Manhattan, I feel like, is where you can sit down, have a walk, get a coffee, sit in a park, not be barraged by everything happening down here. But down here, it's always happening. I want to live here. I just know that rent's going to be really fucking high, so I need to find, like, I need to, by the end of my school here, I need to get marketable skills that I can apply and get a job here. Right. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There are other cities, though, that need people. Like, I just, like, I realize that, like, people make more money in cities where, like, people, like, aren't concentrated. Like, that's the point. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, cities with less population have more jobs because there are less people doing what you're doing. And so. Right. It might be worth it finding another American city to go to. But I want to call this my home. I want to be a New Yorker one day. (laughs) You got to go to the place that you're always dreaming of. Like, everybody, when they're little, like, dreams of the famous places. Like, nobody's like, I'm going to go live in Muncie when I get older, you know? (laughs) But most people do. Like, not, you know what I mean? Not Muncie specifically. But you're, like, actually doing it. Yeah. But it's still life. So, like, what was hard? What was hard moving here? Um, hmm. Um... It was a welcome paradigm shift, but the paradigm shift of having cars and air conditioning to walking was something that I got to get used to. 
Mm. Um, but I got used to that very quickly because I loved it so much. But that's something that was like something that changed a lot. Um, a difficult change. I don't. I don't think anything. Nothing was that difficult. Did you ever feel lonely being in such a different type of environment? I learned to love being alone. This was a thing. Uh, at the beginning of the year, everyone kept asking people to hang out. Like I okay, so before college, summer before college, I got really invested in summer pre-college drama, summer pre-college um, like group chats and community groups on Facebook and stuff like that. Group me's, all that kind of jazz. Like everybody in your class all talking to each other yeah, trying UT, to like uh, make you, uh, friends. NYU before. 2021 groups. Okay, basically. Okay. I got so into NYU 2021 groups. And so I made a good sizable amount of friends by the time I was by the time we rolled around to um admitted students day visiting. And then that group of friends continued through the summer. And so by the time I got up here I had a group of friends and you know, welcome week, orientation week. We spent all of our time together. Like, we were like, oh, let's go get lunch at this dining hall and try it today. Or this dining hall and try it today. Oh, let's do this event together. Oh, let's go and hang out in my dorm together. And, I mean, I tired of that. And so I was like, this is New York City, one of the loneliest cities in the world. I should learn to be alone without being lonely. And I stopped responding to people whenever they asked to get dinner with me. I fell into a routine for by myself I didn't have a I had like a background friend group like noise right that like there are like maybe 20 people like in like various friend groups that had friends blah 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 clicks that I paid attention to Mm -hmm. but I really only kept up with like two three people like Josh Sturm Kara Minikuni Mary Louise like I can name like the good friendships I had on hand and then that I, like, was good at maintaining. Then I had my friends in classes that, like, kind of fell out to the background. I mean, I'm, like, an extrovert, and I'm pretty social, but, like, I learned to, like, distill things. Yeah. I think that that's really different from what most people do, which is, like, everybody worries about finding their new group and feeling, like, comfortable and feeling like they belong somewhere. So how do you learn how to belong somewhere without, like, necessarily, like, approval of your peers? Or, like, the comfort of your peers. Ah, I, you know me to never have been someone who cared about the approval of their peers. But That's true. There was no one to tell me that I was doing anything right. I just knew that I was because of the way that my life was going so smoothly. Um, I, yeah, because I didn't. So just if you liked how things were going. Yeah, I, there's no one to tell me that, like. No one told me, like, what I was doing was good. I just knew innately, like, oh, my homework's on time. Oh, my laundry's all clean every week. Stuff like that. And, like, I had, like, friends. Like, I still had friends. Like, I had, like, the people on my floor that I, like, my neighbors. Eventually, like, the people on my floor never really became friends. So, like, it all solidified down to, like, a like a very distilled group of, like, my neighbors, like, two doors down from me, one door down from me. And that's it. And then eventually I started sparking up, like, a good relationship with some girls, like, down the hall and stuff like that. But, like, never was it, like, a whole floor thing. It was with individual people that I maintained, like, really good quality, like, relationships with. Mm-hmm. I Like, one-on-one. I learned to be a one-on-one person as opposed to a group person. And I think that's because, like, I kind of let go of groups early in high school. I was, like, that's kind true. of dumped by one my sophomore year. And so I just, like, I learned to pick up a one friend at a time and be good with them and be very high quality and single time with them 
back in sophomore year. And right. so I let go of the group. I like let go of the group friends paradigm a while ago. I don't really have a group of friends. I just have individual people. And it's weird because like sometimes I'll I still like do big things. I still like have group outings. But it's weird because no one knows each other. The only person that like is in common is you. Yeah. <laughs> and what about home friendships? Did you spend much time maintaining those? Yeah, I actually I remember there's this like one point during first semester where like it would be like every day of the week I would call either Sarah, Divya, or Emerson. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like I pared that down. Those are the only three people I still talk to from home. That's it. You, Divya, Emerson. Mm-hmm. And that's like that's really all that mattered. Like I found the people that you know trim a lot of fat. I trimmed a lot of fat. And learn to be, like, one-on-one points with people. Yeah, I think that sums that up. With, like, the friend situation. Like, there's, like... I mean, I still, like, belong to, like, a larger group of people just by association with them. Film kids. Yeah. And a lot of my friends are film kids. I didn't get into the NYU as a larger school scene yet. And I don't know. I have noticed that I am, like... Like, I am alone but not lonely. But I'm, like, huh... I don't have, like, a group of friends that I belong to. I'm just myself. Do you feel like a little FOMO? No. Okay. Like, I'm, Josh belonged to this group. Josh Stern belonged to this group of friends that partied every night. And because he was in a party dorm, so it was really accessible for him. And I just, like, it's like, you're getting drunk. I'm doing homework. Like, I don't know. It just, I, the only person who had to sign off on my life was me. And so I didn't really care that everyone was in the park drunk and having a good time in the fountain. I mean, I had the choice to. I like there the there is a single dorm upstairs on floor sixteen, David Orlando's dorm, that was pretty much like like it was like a party dorm for us who lived in Lipton. Like people were always getting drunk or high there. And Emily's dorm sometimes, like she did an acid trip in there. And, like, she invited people over to have fun with her. But I was like, nah, man, I'm busy. Or I don't feel like getting drunk tonight. Sorry. Like. Why? What? Why? Like, that's not that that's a bad decision. But, like, what made you realize that you that's not how you like spending your time? Um, Usually. I never. There are no big parties here. There are no big parties here. There are no ragers because there are no frat houses or anything. Like, there are no safe spaces to have parties other than people's apartments. Mm-hmm. And people generally like to keep those clean. And parties are actually like the price of liquor here is like 1.5 times that of a normal place so like you know like it's expensive to throw parties and stuff they're like so i never experienced like large parties i don't think i ever will small house parties new york style are fine if i like the people in them and i found out that i didn't like the people that i was spending my time with which was weird mm-hmm. it was like a weird shift to like realize that you hate all your friends that you're spending your time with at drunk and high and that you realize i went home like for a semester, the break in between for winter break. Um, and I realized that I liked being drunk and high with people that I cared about and not with the people that I was at college with. Mm-hmm. And so having realized that, I started pulling away from the low-key party scene because it was just not worth it for me. I don't know. I just it was it's more fun to be inebriated with you so th- and Michael and Josh watching Mr. Roosevelt and falling asleep rather than I don't know, being roped into a party. Oh, I also had really bad party experiences. Okay, this one guy uh, threw ragers at his house. David. Um, and he was one of the people that I realized I wasn't liking until I realized I did like him 
you know. But you like, just didn't like him in the context that you knew him yeah, so far. Yeah, because he was always throwing parties in Brooklyn at his house, which was a f- two-hour. So if partying is hard, it stops being your fun. Like, it starts being a fun thing, like difficult. Because I had to take the R train from NYU to Bay Ridge 95th Street to party with him. And I'm telling you, Bay Ridge 95th Street is an hour and 30-minute train ride. So imagine doing Isn't that. that the end of the line? Yes, just to get drunk. Mm. And hi. Yeah. And you have to like take an Uber from the station to his house. And it's like an $8 Uber, which is like the minimum, but it's still stupid. And then you get there and then you have to, by the end of the night, I, I ended up being the sober person at, after the end of this, like what, his birthday rager or something. I don't even remember. People were just getting drunk at his house. It was messy. I was the only one who was sober enough to lead everyone. I bought an Uber that people didn't pay me back for. I shepherded everyone into a car. We all went to the subway. I had to push open the like, emergency exit for them. Like, it was, you know, it's a lot of hassle. And, like, I was like, this isn't worth it. This isn't worth it. So, right. like, partying is just, like, I guess here, partying is a hassle. A lot of the parties that were, like, big, like, during the first semester, like, were in dorms. And they kept getting shut down by RAs because dorms are the only place that people have to, like, party. Right. Different. It's, New York City's, like, not a college town. It's a very different vibe. Yeah. It's, like, an incredibly different vibe from everything that I've heard. So, what... Other kind of typical college experiences do you think you're not really having? And what things do you think you're getting in return? Um, so I don't know what it's like to walk across a quad, see your friends, chill out in a, like on like a grassy blanket and just enjoy the sun while studying. We don't have a park. You have Washington have Square Park. Washington Square Park is also full of crackheads in like one corner. So <laughs> it's like, I mean, I see people do it and that's like the way that they reclaim that part of the college experience, but there's no gated community. So I never run into people on, like, a normal commute. I, like, walk the same route every day, but since I, like, walk through the public of New York City, I never saw, like, one person on a route twice. Well, I did, but you know, like, what I mean. Like, it was so rare. Yeah. I don't know what it is to, like, walk with cute boy Henry from journalism on my way to (laughs) one class or another. Like, I didn't know what that meant. I, like... Yeah. Because people are just so random here. Um, What else am I losing? Because... Like, everything, the only things I'm losing are a college experience, like, in, like, the traditional terms of having a gated walls and, like, having a quad and stuff, um, parties, but that's it. Mm-hmm. And what am I gaining in return? I'm, like, world-class education in my field. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that we're in this recording studio right now is actually really impressive, and we're only 19, and I set this up Yeah. with the help of Jamie, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, this is... These microphones are like $6,000 each. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, NYU has a huge reputation. And whenever you uh, start paying attention to any of your idols, at least for me personally, I realize that a lot of them came from NYU. Mm-hmm. So do you think that this education is worth the hype? Definitely. And especially with the way that I'm treating it. One, I'm getting a half scholarship from NYU, which is beautiful. So like, yeah. my tuition isn't that like expensive. Also, I'm getting out of here in three years and distilling what I want to do in the most um, concise way possible. Yeah. And it's like a strong emphasis in experimental and commercial filmmaking. So like the stuff that comes out of here, so impressive. I like one of the darlings of who will be my professor next summer for intermediate experimental workshop in Paris, which is, like, an opportunity that I get, which is crazy, um, was Melina Matsukas, which is, like, the director of the fucking Formation video. Like, people come out of here work with fucking Beyonce. Mm-hmm. 
Like, it's crazy. Like, young creatives, like, get a name because they have the name of this university backing them up behind them. Yeah. So it's so worth it. But it's like, I'm afforded all the wonderful things about New York City. I got paid $100 to edit a single photo because I am in proximity to a really rich woman who has too much money on her hands and is, like, you know, like, she's a choreographer and stuff. And, like, she paid me 100 bucks to edit a photo. Like... The fact that I have that opportunity is solely because I'm in New York City where people are like that. Right. So do you think that there is as much talent at other places? It's just that you guys have talent combined with opportunity? Talent combined with opportunity combined with concentration. Explain what you mean by that. Like, there's so many people here. Like, the only reason that there's so much opportunity and so much talent is because of the concentration and the density of the people here. Okay. Some, like, other cities just, other places just don't have the amount of people necessary Mm -hmm. to make the magic of New York City happen. Like, yeah. It's just that there are so many fucking people here. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. And, I mean, it's good (laughs) for me. I like that. Um, So, you don't party, really. No. So, how do you like to spend your time? Or how did you spend your time this past year? So, I was ready for this question. And I was thinking about it, and I have no idea. My normal week would have me go to classes, and like I had five, I had five classes, right? So I had a general education class, which was French, a different kind of French, but both semesters I had a different like class for French. I had a writing the essay class, which was like a really cool expository writing class on like looking at art and like close reading art and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had like my three craft classes for film. <laughs> I had like an audio production class. I had a, uh, f- um, I had a visual production class, and then I had like colloquiums and seminars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like I like I n- remember like the chunk of time that was devoted to that, just going to class, walking to class, being in class, walking from class. I know that there was a big chunk of my time devoted to taking care of myself. I ate three meals a day. I like you know I woke up, got breakfast, um, before class. Unlike a lot of people. Um, or like going to like the Pete's Coffee and Tea and picking up a bacon, egg, and cheese and mm-hmm. a chai latte, which was like my th- like my nice chai, which was like my thing like my second semester. Mm-hmm. I remember a lot of it was dedicated to um, finding like a way to write papers because I'm really bad at writing. Turns out, a lot of it I remember did, it was dedicated to writing essays and being up at four a.m. trying to finish like a paper that was due the next day and like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I remember a lot of it being dedicated to being in production classes and having to do assignments and recording for stuff Mm -hmm. and being here on 11 working. I remember a lot of it being dedicated to working in um, at the edit production lab that I got a job at for like the Tisch post-production center. Like a lot of it was dedicated to being there at work. I just, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't, there's like not one thing. Yeah. A lot of it was like laundry, like literally like it's just. Well, dealing I think, with my roommate. I think a lot of this year for you, something that I perceived was you like establishing like a new routine and you're somebody who thrives on having like a good routine and that in itself like brings joy to you and like is a fun activity. It is. Yeah. I didn't, there wasn't like a normal, I didn't have to like, yeah, yeah, it was that. It was just getting into the new routine yeah. and living in New York City and having that be part of the new routine. Mm-hmm. I took a bike out a lot. Yeah, this is something. That's true. This is something that I uh, 
this is something that I can talk about that ate up a lot of my time because whenever like a paper wasn't going for me or I had some downtime, I checked out a bike from NYU Bike Share, which is better than City Bike because it's free and is dockless, but responsibly dockless. Um, mm. Like I was able, I just picked out a bike and I rode somewhere. I have like routes in my head for from Lipton up 6th Ave around Central Park. I did that a lot. Which is cool that I like just normally bike Central Park. Like that's just casual for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like a tourist trap. Like there are tourist traps in Central Park to rent you a bike for thirty minutes so you can, like, bike around Central Park. It's crazy. Um, I would bike up the West Side Highway a lot, and then I would do this like heroic route where I would like go up the entire, um, Hudson Greenway all the way to the top, two hundred seven Street. Then I would find the Bronx. Stop right before the Bronx and head back down Broadway. Like so, like that's like a four-hour bike ride. And like I plan stuff like that for myself. Like I just rode my bike in New York City just to acquaint myself with the city and also fall back into bike riding because I'd missed it so much. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I don't know. I like yeah. So it was a routine, and riding a bike, <laughs> training wheels. Funny joke. Ah. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah. I I guess a lot of this year was just getting used to being alone Mm -hmm. being an adult and being happy with it so now that you're a little bit more settled how do you expect this next year to look or do you feel like there are more uh tricks that you need to learn um meal prep Mm. i have a meal plan right now for 95 meals still on my account that my mom wants me to get rid of but i don't know i a lot of last year was being good about eating regularly and oh i'm gonna go to weinstein today and pick up some chick-fil-a oh i did that last week this week i'm gonna go to get a really healthy salad at the at kimmel instead of um going to um downstein or lipton i mean so meal prep is something that i'm not gonna look forward to although i am cooking a lot this summer that's I, good because i am crashing at david's right and i like help stock their fridge with stuff that i eat mm-hmm. i'm like figuring out how to make avocado pesto right now that's like one of my favorite things to eat right now you have to put that on stuff though and i love putting it on pasta okay and it's so good and then like learning to make good avocado toast for brunch like for brunch really good um i don't know like just trying new fun recipes are always great Mm -hmm. uh i just don't know how functional it is yeah because i have to make it for myself but i also i'm gonna be home four days a week as opposed to having you only class have every three day. days of classes. Yeah, they're all really intense days, but I have three days of classes. Mm-hmm. So I mean, so maybe it'll be easy for me because I'm not going to be like like staying. I'm not going to be getting home and having to do meal prep after a long day of work slash school. It'll be like casual. Often. Okay. Yeah, th- that's something. Um, having to commute from Third Street, no Third Third Street. Fuck, having to commute from Twenty Third and Third Ave is going to be new for me because. That's, like, like farther away than I'm used to. I used to live right on campus. Now I'm still living in a dorm, but it's, like, semi-off campus. hmm So uh, I have to figure out. I want to buy a bike this summer that I can transport myself on as opposed to having to borrow NYU's. Those are the really the big two snacks that I'm thinking of right now. Mm-hmm. Because transport and, like, the time that I have to consider for, like, extra transport and not being able to just be a count like classes instantly like that is right something. like even with a bike i'm not going to be there instantly before i had a bike i was there instantly now i'm not mm-hmm. and that's a luxury i have to lose 
um, and then also having to feed myself. But that's, it's like, it's that's, daunting. But that's like that, those are the only real snags. Like this year went so well. That's good. I've had such a good college experience. Uh, one thing that I'm curious about is whether or not it feels intimidating to be here because you were definitely one of the high achievers in film in high school. I, You've been doing this for a while and then coming to a place where everybody else kind of has like the same list of credentials that you do. Yeah, right. Getting knocked back down a couple pegs because you're not like the hot shot anymore. Right. Did you experience that? Yeah, definitely. There are kids here who have student Emmys under their belt. Mm. And there's a guy here who owns a red. And who owns what? Who owns a red camera. Oh, okay. And then there's another guy who owns his own red and also worked on The Martian. Oh, my God. <clears throat> so there are people who are really fucking good at what they do. Mm-hmm. I am okay with that. I am coming to terms with the fact that they are enabled in a certain way. They are like some sort of shitty one percenter. Right. And like... You could have had that if it, it was... It doesn't matter that I don't have that, though. Yeah. Because I have... I am here building a craft. Basically, yeah, there are people who are more enabled than others. But right now, the only thing that matters to us is storytelling and craft and mm-hmm. the art of it that we're all getting good at. And we're all at different places in that journey, and all of our art's going to be different. Just the fact that people are more enabled in their art doesn't make them better storytellers. We are all like germ cells with the potential to become something great right now. And we're all growing into different types of filmmakers. Not everyone's going to do the same thing. Yeah, how would you describe your like filmmaking I want to do like vision. Cur- I want to do... Uh, easiest way to say is I want to be Spike Jones when I grew up. So... <laughs> Whatever that entails, being a really prolific director slash person who makes a lot of good commercial work, mm-hmm. I want to do that. Yeah, because he's artful, but also like has widespread notoriety. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to do a music video with Bjork where she gets on a, um, uh, like a what is that like a cherry picker and like floats away from a crowd, one day. Mm-hmm. Or do a thing with FK Twigs and do an a- like a Apple commercial with the HomePod. Like literally, like I want to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like cool creativity and advertising, like that's where I'm headed. But it's like, yeah, people say that, and it's like not everyone wants to do that. I'm not everyone. Not everyone wants to be a director. Some people hate the idea of that. Some people just want to stay behind the screen and like edit or like do color or do sound. Yeah. Like, I also, I just want to be well-versed in, like, all, like, good aspects of production so that I can fit in anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm doing a lot of, I'm, like, trying to be good at post-sound right now. Mm-hmm. I'm learning Pro Tools and stuff. And I really want to be good at it so that I can support a lot of other productions and then be on other sets. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. I don't know. I, like, jack-of-all-trades and then eventually maybe a director. But, like, mm-hmm. I want to have skills. Yeah. There are people who will come here wanting to just be directors it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I want to be a producer so I can like know what the money is. I want to be a sound mixer or a sound engineer so that I can like, you know, ed- I want to be able to edit like well, stuff like that. I don't want to. I don't want to touch a camera though. Fuck cameras. As soon as like I got up here like and they started talking about like fucking Ari Alexa minis and shit like that. Like I just tuned out. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell a gamut is or what a hyper fast lens. I don't care. That's stuff I like. I can just not care about. Leave that to the straight men in film and television. God, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> what do you say to those who doubt you for going into a like 
creative and unsustainable field. I've never gotten that criticism. Yeah, I haven't gotten shit for going to film school. Either I give the shit myself and I'm like, yeah, that's like, you know, like not a real job or whatever. But like, and I say that and they're like, ha ha ha. And then that disarms them. Right. Right. But I know that I have a job somewhere. Yeah. I, media is one of the fastest expanding job markets right now. Yes. Because everything's going video. So what the hell? Like, I, like, it's not even, it's not a valid criticism anymore. Going to film school isn't a bad move because literally what do, ha- like half the population sits on Facebook watching videos. Right. Like shut the fuck up. Film isn't like a good major. Like most of the people who would say that to you are your customers. Exactly. Like Film is so viable right now. Mm-hmm. Video and visual storytelling will always be viable. Well, yeah. I'm going to say that for now. In 2018, it looks like visual storytelling is always going to be viable. Okay. And it's like, that's what I'm learning. So, like, why would you make fun of me for serving up your content on your Facebook feed that you are always watching and earning me money for? Like, right. what? Yeah, there's. I don't believe in the phrase that film isn't a viable market. Like, like is a dead major. It's definitely not. It's right. thriving. And if you're good at it and you know how to be commercial about it, it can also be like artful and commercial. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's a good path to go down. That's good. What would you say to somebody who is considering going? What would very like far away? You say to somebody who is considering going somewhere very, like, far away and expensive, especially if they're coming from a place where it doesn't seem like that's very possible. possible. I don't know. Um, What advice would I give to someone going far away first? Because that happens way more often. Um, Being far away isn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's just an opportunity for you to right. find growth within yourself, to learn to be alone without being lonely. Being far away is an incredibly valuable experience, and it forces you to like be in tune with the place that you're in and yourself, as opposed to relying on other people to help build your sense of identity. You learn to look to your, like, towards yourself for approval and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So... Being far away is never a bad thing. Well, being far away isn't entirely a bad thing. Going somewhere expensive, just, I don't know, learn to keep the costs low. I really, I don't know, I'm only getting out of here, I'm coming out of here with only $90,000 in debt. That's an only, because, like, there are people who pay full price for tuition. I really, I don't know, I'm only getting out of here. No. <laughs> what? See, it's, like, it's expensive, but I'm not stupid. Right. I don't know, like, it should still be feasible. So, like. Would you have come here uh, if you hadn't gotten that scholarship? So the question doesn't, that part of the question doesn't apply to me, because it's feasible for me. Right. And I'm, like, I'm taking steps to make sure that it's even more feasible, like graduating early and stuff. So the question doesn't so. part of the question doesn't apply to me because yeah, be responsible. Okay. And I'm and like I'm taking steps to make sure that it's even more people like graduating early and stuff. Right. So just be responsible basically. Yeah, be responsible. It's going to be everything you want. And what more. advice would you tell yourself the night before that I you died left sometime for New York. between getting accepted into NYU and actually being at NYU? I like 
imagined myself walking in the streets getting groceries or like walking to class and I was like it's so unfeasible but it will happen it'll happen for you buddy and it'll be great because it has been I don't know yeah I let yourself have a good thing no it's not like not like I don't deserve this you know it's just that like, it's so unreal sometimes that I'm living here, taking the train to work, walking through Broadway or Fifth Avenue to get places. Like, those are world-class streets. This is a world-class city that I'm living in. And, I don't know, like, life is beautiful sometimes. It's just, like, just, like, just by the virtue of, like, it being here, stuff is just better. And it's just, like, huh. It just feels so unreal. That's to sum it up. It just feels so magically unreal. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for being on my podcast, and extra thank you to setting all of this up. Yeah, this was super cool. Thank you for like appreciating it. I'm glad that I was able to help out with an episode, it, like not only like being a guest, but also helping produce it in a way. Yeah. Uh, well, tune in next time for another episode of Training Wheels, and thanks for listening.